through the amazing grace of God, once again, we're spared this side of eternity and are permitted to meet here and worship God in honor of His resurrected Son. I'm enjoying the meeting so far. We had a nice class session. And um, this series of lessons, uh, as I told Mitch when he called me, is going to be on the church. And uh, we started out this morning uh, dealing with the church, the ecclesia, the the collective uh, noun, and I spent a great deal of time on that. I want to spend the next few minutes with you on the different senses in which the word church, that collective noun, is used in your Bible. You, you have to understand that sometimes when we use the word church, we use it rather loosely, and people don't know what we're talking about. So I'm going to show you at least four senses in which this ecclesia of the church is used in the Bible. Now, someone will raise the question, well, how, how may I know how it's used uh, in a given sense? And I'm going to tell you, it's by the context and uh, by honesty. Uh, for example, let, let me give you an example. You take the word works. Uh, Martin Luther and John Calvin had a lot of trouble with the word works when they emerged from Roman Catholicism. Uh, because it's used in different senses in the Bible, and they couldn't digest that. For example, Ephesians 2, not of works lest any man should boast. Well, they understood that, that we're not saved by a boastful word. But when they turned over to James 2, 24, and said, you see then how that by works a man is justified and not, faith, not by faith only, that gave them trouble. The reason they wanted to make the word works mean the same thing anywhere they found it in the Bible. You can't do that. You can't do that with many words. They're used in different senses. And you can't just peg down and say, well, a certain word is used here, and it's the same way anywhere in the Bible. That is not so, and that will get you into trouble. It got them into trouble to the extent that they formed the denominations which are among us today. Uh, they were opposing, of course, Roman Catholicism, and uh, which I commend them for. But since they, they went to the other extreme, they had trouble with the word works. Truth about the matter is, it's used in several different ways. Works of the law of Moses, boastful works, works that perfect faith. And you have to be honest enough to take that word in the context it's given, and then you can understand it the same way as with the ecclesia of the church. So we're going to study the four ways. I started in class one of the ways, and that was the church universal. And I believe in the text a young man read a few moments ago from Matthew 16, uh, when Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church, what did he have in mind? Well, certainly, I don't believe uh, he had in mind a local congregation at that time. I think he was referring to what we call the church universal. Christians everywhere, you're baptized into the church universal. When, you, when a preacher baptizes you, he doesn't baptize you in a local church. That's your choice later on. If you... If you want to become a part of that local congregation, then you let it be known. But when you're baptized, you're a member of the church anywhere in the world you may go. Uh, in uh, Japan or Hawaii or, or uh, in Asia, uh, anywhere you are, you're a member of the church once you're baptized scripturally. That's the church universal. Now, there's no organization in the church universal. Therefore, God didn't activate it. He didn't activate the church universal. That is, he didn't give it any... Or earthly organization through which it may function. Jesus is the head of the church universal, and he's at the right hand of God at David's throne, interceding over his kingdom, which is the church. 
But as far as anything on earth, he didn't put any elders over it. He didn't put any bishops over it. He didn't put the pope over it. He didn't put anyone over it. Of course, the Catholics have a, a pope, and the word Catholic means universal, and they have activated the church universal. And when they did that in 606, they put authority in the hands of the church instead of in the hands of Jesus. Authority is in the hands of Jesus. Matthew 28 says he has all authority. He has all authority. The church has no authority. We have no authority. We're to submit to authority. And when the Catholics put the pontiff in and made him the vicar of Jesus Christ, they shifted authority from Jesus to the church. And whatever the Pope says is law to a Catholic, if you don't believe it, you just ask one. I remember several years ago in Fort Smith, Arkansas, a Catholic priest. He, he was the head of the, Catholic, uh, the hospital there in Fort Smith. He called me. He wanted to talk to me. And about a subject, I won't go into that right now, but he came out to my office and we had a long talk. And after he had asked me some questions, I said, do you mind if I ask you some? And he says, no, go ahead. And uh, I had slipped an old wire recorder, a recorder and hidden the microphone because I didn't want him to deny what he said. He didn't know it was in there, but I was recording it. <laughs> but anyway, I asked him, I said, let's say that... Um, the Bible tells you to do one thing and the church, the Catholic Church tells you to do something else. Which would you take? Would you take the Bible or would you take what the Pope said? He said, that's a good question. But he said, I'd have to go along with the Pope and the church. I knew that before I asked the question. I told you they shifted authority from Jesus to the church. You can't do that. The church has no authority. The authority is in heaven. You follow me? Jesus has authority. And any time you shift it from Jesus to the church, you're in trouble. And some of my brethren need to learn that lesson. Okay? Well, we're talking about the church. It's used in the universal sense. Now, I'll go over to Ephesians 1.22 and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. When the church, I believe, is referred to as the body of Christ, it is the church universal. It refers to all members everywhere. And the context, as I said, will show you that. Number two, the church sometimes is used in the local sense. Paul says, under the church of God, which is at Corinth, 1 Corinthians 1, 1 and 2. And uh, the Lord wrote to the seven churches of Asia in Revelation. Uh, therefore, these were local congregations, such as the one right here this location. They were local congregations. And therefore, sometimes in the Bible, uh, when you read the church, this the collective noun, it's referring to a local congregation. But not always. But sometimes it does refer to a local congregation. And I've given you some texts on that. And there are, there are many others. But uh, this would show you that and this is where God put his government in, in, in the local congregation uh, we um, we have elders and deacons and, and evangelists and members, and they're not in the church universal. Uh, there's no uh, set of elders over the um, church universal. They, they, the authority of elders begins and ends right in the congregation where they are. That's a limit. That's as far as their authority goes. 
as far as the decisions made in that local congregation. And they do have to make decisions on matters of expediency uh, to carry out or to activate the work of the local church. That's their responsibility. And as the Bible says, to rule over the flock in that sense. And that, therefore, God uh, activated what we commonly call the local congregation. And we had many of them in the days of the apostles, and we still have many today. While I'm on the subject of elders, I, I want to say one of the things that has given us problems back through the years is elders overextend their authority. Uh, there was started back in the late 50s and 60s uh, what was known as sponsoring churches. I had never heard of them. I was a young preacher. And uh, I'd never heard of a sponsoring church, but all at once they cropped up. And someone says, well, what were they? Well, I'll tell you what they were. They were one church, one set of elders, telling other churches over the United States to send them, send them your money, some of your contribution, and they were going to oversee the work uh, in, a, in Germany, for example. They did that out at Lubbock, Texas. I remember that very well. And I got to reading my Bible, and I thought, well, where did they get this? And uh, lo and behold, I found out they didn't get it out of the Bible. They, it was a figment of their imagination, and I couldn't back it up, and I still don't. And I had some fights with them back through the years over that sponsoring church business. That's like the Catholics changing the authority from Jesus to the pontiff. There's no authority for it. And there's no authority for one church, one set of elders, in any way ruling over the money of other congregations. And I'll have more to say about that later on. But that's enough for right now. So we find that the word church is used in, in the, the uh, universal sense, in the local sense. Let's go to number three. Number three, the word church is also used in the treasury sense. I gave you First Timothy 5.16 this morning. I want to go back over it for just a minute. Paul told, the, told Timothy that if any man or woman that believeth hath with us, let them relieve them. And let not the church be charged, that it may relieve them that are with us indeed. And I told you that um, I have asked a lot of members of the church the question, what did Paul mean by that? Let not the church be charged. And they says, don't take it out of the church treasury. And I say, amen. What do you say? I think you're forced to say that's what he meant. What else could he have meant? But what does that tell me? That tells me that you can't take money out of the treasury and do just anything. That there's a limitation upon it. When he said, let not the church be charged. Therefore... The word church is used in the treasury sense, and a lot of brethren don't know that. I told you the way you know how the word ecclesia is used is by the context and honesty. Notice I tagged honesty on it. You've got to be honest. And uh, you know what Luther did when he couldn't reconcile the word works in uh, James 2, 24? He took his scissors and cut it out of the Bible. He said, it just confuses me so much. I think it's interpolated. He just took it out of the Bible. That, that doesn't solve your problem. You can take a pair of scissors to the Bible, but that does not solve your problem by taking a pair of scissors and cutting out a text. Your problem is still there. 
What you need to do is to reconcile the Word. The Word doesn't contradict itself. I may contradict myself, but the Bible doesn't contradict. So, when people say, um, well, let the church do it. And I've heard that. Haven't you heard that? Let the church do it. What do they mean? What do they mean when they say let the church do it? Well, I say nine times out of ten, they mean take it out of the church treasury. At least that's what they have conveyed to me. But I've heard it many times during my life. Let the church do it. I insist, ladies and gentlemen, that our word church is used in the universal sense, the local sense, and the treasury sense. At least three senses. And when you get your head into the Bible and you study it, you have to study it within its context to find out what it means. And if you do, it'll tell you. It'll tell you. It'll tell you what it means. Number four. I believe the word church is also used in the distributive sense. A lot of brethren don't know this. By distributive sense, I believe that when, in Acts the 12th chapter, when Herod had beheaded James, the brother of John, with the sword, and he apprehended Peter and put him incarcerated, he put him in jail, and it says the whole church prayed for him. The church prayed for him? What's that mean? It means individually. Even when we prayed a few moments ago, we had a leader up here, but I prayed with him. Prayer is an individual thing. He couldn't pray for me. He couldn't pray for you. Now, you could follow him and amen the prayer, but you're praying. That's distributively. You follow me? That's individual. And I believe that when the church prayed for Peter, they were praying individually. What do you say? I don't think they might have done it in a collective capacity, but that's, they still do it individually. Just like when you observe the Lord's Supper, we, yeah, we're doing it in the assembly, but you, you observe the Lord's Supper individually, do you not? Now, in 1 Corinthians, the uh, 14th chapter, Paul said, if the whole church be come together in one place, he was talking about, Spiritual gifts, especially tongue speaking, and I'll not go into that, but I want to use that statement of Paul. If what now, Paul, what would you say? He said, if the whole church be come together. What do you mean by the church, Paul? Who comes together? Well, he said individuals do. Distributively. That's what I meant. We, we came together individually. If the whole church, that is at Corinth, come together. What did he talk about? He's talking about individuals. And yet he called them the church. Therefore, ladies and gentlemen, the church sometimes is used distributively. Several years ago, I met a preacher by the name of Noble Meredith in a debate at Grenada, Mississippi. Matter of fact, uh, some of you were there, by the way, uh, several years ago. And... Uh, we were discussing, for one thing, the, the treasury, what you could take money out. And he, he believed you could take money out of the treasury and support anybody. I don't follow that because it says poor saints nine times, and so I follow the Bible. But individually, we can. 
but not out of the church treasury. So he, he got up to play on the emotions of people, and he said, I'll tell you about Brother Hoagland. He said, Brother Hoagland had let a little child starve to death out here in front of the church rather than going to the treasury and getting money out of the church treasury and helping that child. He said he'd let him starve to death. Let the, he, he doesn't believe the church can do that. I said, Brother Meredith, I'm going to break you of telling something that's not so. I said, you're wrong about that. I believe the church can do it distributively as an individual. I'd go out and help that boy, and I'd bring him in and take care of him as an individual distributively. And sometimes the word church is used in that sense. While you're trying to find the treasure of the church, that boy would die. You could locate the treasure. So you get it out of the church treasury. I said, don't you get up here again and say that I say that the church can't take care of that boy because they can distribute it, but not out of the church treasury. He said, I've never heard that before. I said, I don't care whether you heard it. Is it the truth? And he couldn't answer it. But that broke him from saying that. You've got to follow these false teachers. They'll, they'll take a text. They'll completely destroy it. I've met too many of them in debate. I know exactly what they'll do. But I'm on their trail. I know what they say. But there's an answer to every quibble that a man can perpetrate upon the church or upon humanity today. There's a Bible answer to it, if you would just study your Bible. Now, this means that sometimes the word church is used in a distributive sense. And there is a sense when you go out here as an individual and do certain things distributively, in a sense, that's the church doing it, but not out of the church treasury. You follow me? I gave you scripture. When the church prayed for Peter, what does that mean? It means individuals prayed and they're called the church. When the church came together in Corinth in one place, just as we've come together in one place, what does that mean? Well, it means that individually we have come together to sing praises to God, to pray, to observe the Lord's Supper, give of our means, as the Bible says. And therefore, I want you to remember, if you will, please, if you think I'm in wrong about this, or if you think this can't be sustained with the Bible, I'd appreciate you telling me. But I want you to give me Scripture for it, because I've given you Scripture. I've given you the Word of God. But I want you to think. I want you to think with me. One of the causes of problems in the church is not understanding what the word church means. It's even caused division in the church. If brethren are ignorant of the way the word church is used in the Bible, this collective noun that we're talking about. Now, in my next lesson, I'm going to talk to you about how authority is established in the Bible and how that you may know when God wants you to do something and when you're not to do it. We're going to study that, and I'm going to give you book, chapter, and verse for it. But that will be in our next lesson. And uh, then in the next lesson, I'm going to be studying the history of the church from its inception on the day of Pentecost and for the first hundred years and what happened to it. 
and how it was restored on American soil north of the Mason-Dixon line and how it had another apostasy in 1849 and another one in 1949. I tell you, it's true. I'll, I'll give you the facts, not only the Bible, but of history. Now, I'll admit I'm going to have to go to history for some of this because the lids of the Bible were closed in about A.D. 100 when John wrote the Apocalypse on the island of Patmos. But we can trace this problem through history. We're going to study the church, past, present, today, and where it's going to be in the future. And I'm going to try to tell you that, too. Because it's going, to, it's going to be transferred to heaven, 1 Corinthians 15. But we'll get to that later, where the church is headed. 